Hello, everyone. I'm here with Scott Landells, who is the president of Indigo FM. We're currently in the newish Beachwear studios. So, Scott, how are you going? Oh, very good, Josh. That's good. And we're actually about a week overdue for this chat because last week there was a mini cyclone. <laughs> went through town and it caused a little did, bit did. of havoc right near my where I'm based. So, yeah, had to put the kibosh on that. So thank you for making the time. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, pretty flexible here. So as with how this show works, it's a little bit different to a normal interview podcast in that we tend to start kind of what with what's going on right now mm-hmm. and then go back and kind of explore how we got here. So yep. this is one of the Indigo FM radio studios. Yep. And it's a community radio station, but I don't want to steal too much of your thunder. Can we talk about maybe where things are at now? And then sure. I know there was a launch of a new station recently. We can probably talk more at length about that. Right. So we currently have three sites on air. Uh, we've got the Beechworth one where we are today uh, and Yak and Dana. They've both been on air since 2010. And the Tangambalanga site, which went on air in late November uh, last year. And we've got... We own a license for Chilton and we should have that one on air probably in April. Okay. And as the majority of this particular audience at the moment is based in either Uruwodonga or Wagga, mm-hmm. obviously Wagga's well outside of an FM range typically. Will the Chilton station potentially cover any of Uruwodonga or is there no. anything? Uh, it's important to just explain, technically we're not a community radio station where we have a licence which is called low power open narrow casting, yep, okay. which is, is the low power bit means that we can only go about five kilometre radius in each town. Uh, so that's why we have four separate sites putting out four separate signals and each goes about five kilometre radius of each town. It does mean we need four separate studios, but they're all running a similar format so we get some economies of scale by being able to share content to each site and have common, some commonality and generic stuff, but we also want to have some customised local stuff, which is really the, the individual shows that presenters do that start to give each site its own unique flavour for its own uh, area. I was actually going to speak to it later, but we might as well go there now. The way that the sites interact, and I was... I shouldn't have used the term community radio station because I had a feeling that it was a low power FM setup and that's well and truly into the nerdiness of radio, that sort of of stuff. So if I do say community radio, I apologise moving forward, but just for the audience, how does that work as a total conglomerate? Like the group itself, you're producing shows in different studios that are essentially, for the lack of a better term, going out, to, is there a master site that everything is broadcasted to first and then – no, so it's all – the, the key full. with the low power FM is the fact that it's produced here and then it's sent out. Yeah, as, as long as people – well, a couple of things. As long as the – every show has potential to be shared to another site, uh, not at the same time, not simultaneously, not at this point in time, but can be recorded for uh, replay later later that same day perhaps or later on during the week. But the presenter has to give that the tick to say they want that to happen because uh, some presenters might just want to do a show purely for their local audience. Uh, And obviously if they are going to do a show for a couple of extra towns or something like that, then they need to factor that into the way they present the program 
and the way they communicate to the audience and that kind of thing. So that's... And the other option we give presenters too is do they want their show podcast? Because, again, uh, a podcast show has potentially a global audience. So you might need to present that in a slightly different way too, uh, as well as having it compatible to a local audience feeling like it is a local show. Obviously, compared to a low-power FM, my this particular podcast is not strictly local-local because it's covering two mid-sized regional markets, really. Yeah. But it's the most local show that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And I've actually had to, un- in a way, untrain myself in the fact that I spent a lot of time getting rid of local references, talking about things that mm-hmm. only people in my community would know, names of streets and mm-hmm. local you know, the local pseudo-celebrities and things like that that you would yep. drop into a normal conversation. I spent about seven years training myself out of doing that yeah. and now I'm just getting used to doing it again that when I mention Dean Street, Albury, mm. that people listening to this show, they're either interested enough in the town to want to know that or they already know exactly what that is, for exactly. example. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so it feels a little bit more like, obviously, it's on demand, but it feels a bit more like radio that I can get a little bit into the nuts and bolts of a local area, whereas you guys are going, and I hope it's not the wrong term, but it's almost hyper-local. Yeah, so definitely. What, what 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 would happen on a regular show? Like just let, let's take your show, for example, maybe tell everyone what the show's called and what you cover and how does the local flavour of where you're based play into that? Okay, well, I do a show called Everyone Deserves Music, so it goes... Which is pretty true, let's be honest. Yes, exactly. Well, everyone does deserve music. I won't say what sort of music everyone deserves, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we... Uh, so that goes on a live on a Saturday uh, to Yak and Danda, and then it's uh, repeated here a few hours later in Beechworth. So it goes on about lunchtime, goes on Yak and Danda at 8 a.m. in the morning. And then it's podcasts as well. So typically I'm looking at uh, local festivals or artists who are playing live through the area because it's essentially a folk and uh, roots kind of show, indie indie folk kind of stuff. But I do look at, yeah, what's happening around the local scene a little bit, but also I suppose just any, any good tunes I hear. Uh, I might have a little segment which is, this is not really local, it's just, you know, a vinyl bit of vinyl I pull out of the crepe before I jump in the car, that kind of thing. But it's, uh, I suppose, I, I try and keep a bit of aware of what events are happening locally, things that we can talk about and promote. Uh, we've got some business sponsors who are local who uh, will get the, a bit of a plug too throughout that show. So, And from time to time I might have a local artist come in to be interviewed or play live in the studio. In fact, I've got one this Saturday. 16-year-old girl is in a Battle of the Bands final. She's from Rutherglen, so she'll come in and have a bit of a chat about her career and what she's doing. And, yeah, so it's uh, – that's that's my show. Yeah, and I guess everyone goes about their show a little bit differently. But I did get the sense that there is obviously an appreciation for the fact that Yak and Dana particularly, but this whole area in kind of a bit of a – a loop from mm. Wangaratta all the way around, it's a bit of a hotbed for talent in the folk genre. Is that, like, was the location you were based at all, did that impact at all on the style of music or was that just, did those things just coalesce naturally that you were into folk music and also it happens to be a, an area which is, you know, 
very fond of that style and produces a lot of talent in and of itself because I know Yakandana has obviously a well-known folk festival. Yeah, so. yeah it's a, a really good question. I think there's a synergy there between the type of show. Like my show has probably evolved. I've been doing it for six or seven years, so it's it's certainly uh, – uh, in the early, you know, in the early days, it was sort of kind of what I wanted to do, and then I realised that I started to pick up on things that were happening locally and find some commonality there. And uh, some we, we are, I think, quite lucky around the Beechworth Yakandan area and through the Indigo Shire. You've got Yakandan Folk Festival. You've got uh, over the last five years the Beechworth Music Festival, which has started up, and that's more like an indie rock sort of festival, but it's also got some other styles of music, hip hop. Uh, Americana, etc. We've got some uh, venues like here in Beechworth. There must be four or five venues every weekend that have live music. It's incredible. Like you've got the brewery, you've got Tanzels, you've got the Empire Hotel, uh, Nicholas Hotel, uh, George Kerford Hotel. They're all putting on music pretty much every weekend, often on more than one day, you know, two yeah, or three days. Incredible considering the population. That's right. It's you wouldn't find that. Well, maybe Wagga possibly because it's very live music heavy, mm. but you would be flat out finding anywhere in Albury that was having that much entertainment that it's within true. that's all happening, you know, across maybe two days of the weekend or three, like mm. Friday night, Saturday and Sunday or something. Because mm. I see stuff all the time that's happening up here on Facebook. Like, well, they're having more bands and more yeah. artists that just. Maybe there's more people over there than I think, or obviously it's a historic town with a lot of pull for tourists. But And do you get some, I guess, are these artists that also cross over into maybe more what you would be doing? I'm assuming that you featured mostly original yeah. artists. Yeah, definitely. So are these people that are playing a mix of both? Because the folk genre is a little bit friendlier than, say, where I come from, which is the post-hardcore and alternative rock genre where if you play a cover, unless you pretty much knock the socks off it, you might as well get off the stage and go home. Mm-hmm. It's not a – there was always a division between original and cover bands. Mm, definitely, that. definitely. Whereas it doesn't – they seem a little bit more okay to wear their influences a little bit more proudly, the, the folk musicians, and I'm becoming more that's interested true. in. And the Americana, obviously that's almost – a traditional mm. music style, really, in a mm. way. So, yeah. So, the, when these artists that are playing around here, are they also being featured on the station? Or yeah, definitely. We we try and make a connection with them. And look, in the last six months, we've gone into now consolidating. We, we saw an opportunity that existed to put together a weekly gig guide, and that's something that because there was just trying to, uh, I guess centralise a lot of the music that was occurring in the town. We've, we felt it would be quite easy to put together a gig guide on a weekly basis. So particularly here in Beechworth, we, we've had a lot of success with doing that and we share that through various social media and we tag in all the artists and stuff like that. So it's sort of, it's given a real, it's a really good role for us and I think it helps us in many ways because we're quite conscious of the profile we've got off air and just, I guess, having to build a community of music enthusiasts. So that's something that we just take up and that's a totally free service we provide. Okay, let's just sit on that term that you just used because I, I'm i a fan of radio at all levels in Australia because I think, and it upsets some people that I, I know in podcasting that are based in the United States and I'm quite good friends with, 
when I tell them that we are probably from top to bottom the world's best radio market when it comes to quality at all levels. And firstly, why do you think that is that we're such a great radio country? But also when you said a music enthusiast, even for the hardcore radio people that may or may not be listening to this, that's almost antithetical to parts of the industry that mm, the music mm, is secondary mm. or even mm. tertiary to their clients and ad spots and whatever else they happen to be doing. So where do you, how do you get that balance? So maybe let's first start with radio, your opinion of it in Australia and where you think low-power FM sits because I get that feeling that when you said music enthusiasts, that was a really specific piece of terminology and I thought, okay, maybe there's a little bit of a punk rock spirit at this level of radio that I didn't know about. Yeah, there, there, there probably would be. There's no doubt that quite a few of the key organisers at Indigo FM, not just right here today but in the last 10 years, we've been going eight and a half years, that period, have been heavily influenced by uh, large community stations like uh, Triple R, uh, uh, Triple Z in in uh, Brisbane, uh, FBI in Sydney, PBS in Melbourne, and even some of the uh, really prominent community stations around this area or country, regional Victoria like Main FM over in Castle Maine or Alpine FM down in Mount Beauty to REM in Albury. You know, we, so whilst we're not a com- community radio station, we really love the ethos and the uh, type of programming that goes on at a community radio station. So we, we embrace that and we, we think that that's uh, – and I, I guess it, it is – that's a real opportunity to keep it uh, – just have real people doing real shows about things they're really passionate about. And and we do, we would say that we don't uh, – we, we acknowledge that, you know, commercial radio is incredibly – uh, popular in this in this part of the world and and really broadly throughout Australia and it has a real role to play but it's not really um, but I guess because it is the beast it is it provides the opportunity for niche broadcasters as well to who who want to do something that's more personalised really I mean I'm more so probably a fan of the talent of certain people on commercial radio than mm-hmm. I am of their actual programs yeah. like I'm a, I of a massive Marty Sheegold fan who is part of a show called Kate, Tim and Marty that's a big drive show. Yep. But I've, I would say that I'm probably as much a fan of him for being a real talent as I am the actual program itself. Mm-hmm. And I do only listen to the podcast, so no mm. music I don't like and no advertising that I don't like. Yep. So, yeah, there's a certain ways of getting content that I guess strips out some of what makes commercial radio pretty tiresome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess where I was trying to get to was that, and you've pretty much covered it, there's a really important role even on FM. And I think what does, how FM does benefit from having strong commercial stations is the relevance of the band. People still go there. Mm, And mm. the biggest stars in Australia are radio people. It's not the same in other countries. Like if you get off a plane in Melbourne or Sydney, the, the billboards, they're not footballers or mm. basketballers or soccer players or anything, they're people on the, the radio show. Yeah, so right. A lot can, of work, a lot of money goes into promoting yeah, those shows. Huge yeah. amounts. But it also, in the end, it means that people are still turning on a radio in this country and then there's a chance that if they're more into folk music than they are into Kyle or Jackie O that they might stumble across <laughs> what you're doing and think, well, this is for me. I mean, you're not going to stumble across us in a capital city. But, but uh, you can certainly stumble across uh, community radio. 
quite easily and uh, and up around here, I guess, yeah, we, we have our own challenges and we're 100% volunteer run. That's something that's really critical to get across about Indigo FM. So that pre- presents a whole lot of challenges in terms of just trying how you're going to go about promoting it. So again, but it, people, it forces people to be really creative too. So and I guess we use, um, you know, technology where we can, um, social media and other other uh, opportunities and podcasting. I guess podcasting is a bit of a level playing field in some ways uh, because, you know, uh, you, you can, it comes down to purely to do with the, the strength of your show hmm. really in the end because yeah. there's no way within most of those platforms that particularly the bigger platforms that, that are in the podcast world for any particular show to have out sized influence like you could if you were promoting a, your radio show on the radio or your radio show on the television or through some yep. mismatch of these big conglomerates that seem to have radio and TV and they're cross-promoting each other now. In the podcast world it is slightly, yeah, it's slightly better for the, the indies I think mm. and I think if you're on community radio people or even something even more niche like a low-power FM where you're hyper-local. I think it's pretty much you have to be there for people that maybe are a little bit outside the market that still want something that local. Look, we have some some of our, I mean, I talked about my show before, but we have about uh, six or seven shows that are podcast regularly. And, you know, some of that, I mean, radio I think is also about consistency and and scheduling. You know, so if people don't necessarily want to consult a guide to work out what's on, they want to know that seven o'clock on a Tuesday, Doug's waste the alphabet's going to be on, and they love that show. And and speaking of Doug, uh, Doug, his show, he has worked consistently to just build an audience. He's got a Facebook page for his show. He's got a number of people that listen to his podcast regularly, and that kind of thing. And it's uh, and he consistently delivers it every week. And exactly what he says he's going to do. It's about Australian independent music. So it's really. I think that that's uh, really important with radio. Whilst we're all volunteers and everyone, occasionally we all have a night off or a week off or something like that, but we consistently try and I, I think the shows that work best are the ones that go to air consistently. Like tonight we've got one that's been running for eight years, you know, three or four guys who used to meet up at a pub and talk. They decided when Indigo Film started they'd meet in a radio studio and talk and they've got an incredible knowledge of music. Did they bring the beer? <laughs> Uh, occasionally at Christmas time they like to have a little celebration, but they uh, no, but they but they're you know you listen to their show and they're, they're and there's always a lot of good banter and there's probably more talk than there should be and whatever. But there's an incredible knowledge of music and just across the three of them and okay, that's a really interesting little avenue to go down when it's a volunteer situation. And you did mention the challenges, and yeah. I wanted to maybe in a minute go towards the challenges of launching a brand new site, mm, which mm-hmm. is how you guys mm-hmm. came across my radar really being outside of the actual broadcast range. Yep. I saw it on, I don't know if it was the Border Mail or Facebook or something that a new site went live. Just how do you guys, considering you have day jobs and I'm assuming families and et cetera, et cetera, a lot of commitments outside of just the radio station, how do you monitor things like how much talk there is versus music and whether you are hitting the, I think you guys are committed to a 60% Australian content standard. Like traditionally, I guess in bigger stations, and I'll, I 
spent a little bit of time in Southern FM in Melbourne, which was a big community station, but everyone in there was so professional. If the building wasn't only a couple of rooms and it was bigger, you'd convince yourself you were at the top of the world. They were so professional. And they were all over that stuff, getting the talk breaks the right length and all that sort of stuff. Do you have to, in a volunteer situation, be relaxed on certain conventions, quote-unquote, of radio? Or do you do... I mean, I hate to use the word air checks in this situation because there's nothing like that happening, I would assume, but... That's right. It's sort of, to be honest, we... Like the show I mentioned before, they're fantastic, you know, Eclectic Avenue on a Wednesday night, but there's plenty of times when they walk in there and they haven't hit buttons correctly or something and they... If you hear their podcast, they say, oh, well... Yes, uh, the podcast, unfortunately, we had to cut off the first five minutes because somebody didn't press a button correctly or Probably something. Probably record. <laughs> well, there's different things that go on. But but in this day and age, you know, they turn up with um, iPads and laptops and there's three of them there and they've, they're plugging this in and that in. So, it's, so we have a, a kind of a bring-your-own-device thing that creates all sorts of, you know, it's pretty simple. We've just got some auxiliary leads that people can plug into their things and units that, so they don't always use 100% of the equipment in the studio. They bring their own stuff as well. But anyway, I'm probably getting off track a bit. The question um, about the volunteering and the professionalism, I guess we we empower, we, we have to really, we have to empower our presenters. We, we trust them. We know that they're passionate about their topic or their choice of music, style of music, whatever. So totally empower them in that way and, and trust them and we give them some broad parameters about mentioned Indigo Fem every 20 minutes. Uh, through the training, when people start, we show them roughly how to, you know, just a few basic cues about how to structure a show and um, how to come out of a song bracket and, and back announce and, and that kind of thing. But I guess uh, we're not really too fast. If, if, if things are a little bit rough around the edges at times, we think that's just... Hopefully a little rusticness will be seen as an attractive thing or a bit of a uniqueness. Yep. Um, so, and, but we we feel that with more experience people get, more encouragement that they will naturally get better and certainly there's assistance and help for them if they want to get a bit better. Honestly, being a both a podcast fan and a radio listener, there really isn't much more that makes me more uncomfortable than hearing someone that clearly doesn't care about the formatics of commercial radio or big uh, community radio or public broadcast like Triple J being forced behind the scenes into really strong formatics because you can hear them mm. trying to fight against it and then it just becomes a real mess. Mm-hmm. So I think you, when people are volunteering, it's because they're not so much interested in radio careers versus they are in the music they care about or sharing what's going on in the community. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, there's probably a point where if you put too much pressure on people to fit a format of some kind that you strip away whatever, you know, intrinsic motivation there is there to do oh. it because you're putting something ahead of their own passion for the music or the style or their own voice, whatever it happens to be that they love. Yeah, <laughs> so. definitely, definitely. Uh, like I say, it's, it's about understand that the strength of what we've got here is uh, presenters' knowledge and their passion and those two things have to really be preserved and, and encouraged and enhanced because that's a real strength of what we've got. 
And yeah, we, we, but, and yeah, just a few parameters, a few guidelines, uh, to try and keep a little bit of connectedness and unity and, and try to make sure that we're not so focused on our own shows that we forget that we're part of a, a broader station and that there's other sites and uh, and we try and have... Uh, I, one thing I want to say about Indigo Femmes is we are more than just a collection of individual radio sites. We see that there's a lot of value in the equity, I guess, between and the value-added components of having sites that are a bit connected where you can uh, promote, for example, people in Tanga and Belanga can have their events or their business activities promoted in other towns and vice versa, you know. So all of, uh, you know, there's, so, so we have a, quite a bit of that going on. You know, if there's a big event like the Beachworth Music Festival's on last weekend, we can be promoting that in the other towns and we can do the same for the other towns when they have big events, promote them. At the moment we've got announcements running, recruiting volunteers for the Akindana Folk Festival across all the sites. So, yeah. Yeah, so I guess first before we move on, for anyone who's listening, the studio here looks really nice and we don't, hopefully I haven't given anybody the impression that, you know, it's they're broadcasting out of a portaloo. It's really quite, it's really nice in there. They've got a nice desk and, yeah, it's much, much fancier than what you might be imagining if you hadn't been into the <laughs> studio itself. So, yeah, yeah just so it's clear that because we, we are just talking about the different levels of radio, but this is by no means, you know, a hobby-looking operation. It looks really great in there. So oh, thanks. Yeah, so. We've got the, we've, one of our uh, key members is a painter. So, you know, he, he likes to paint up the studios wherever he goes, so we have a nice... Yeah, it does uh, look actually pretty, pa- pretty paint in there, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And we've got look the Akindanda studio looks probably even better, but the Akindanda one is uh, also smaller. So you know, a lot of the times we're in community centre type buildings. That's where we are in the Akindanda. in Tangambalanga. We're in a similar facility to here, a former child maternal health building. So we've got uh, we have incredible generosity from council in Indigo Shire Council and community groups. Uh, that enable us to set up in those places that uh, normally next to no rent or very low rent. So, yeah, look, the sites, they're, 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 they're adequate, they're functional. Um, we don't have the budget to make them have all the bells and whistles, but occasionally we're able to do them up uh, just, you know, a little bit of simple paint job, that sort of thing, colour scheme, something like that. Uh, but the, I, I guess everything we tend to do is a work in progress. That's probably one of the key elements of having a volunteer-run organisation. Uh, we are probably never, ever functioning at full capacity with, as far as resources or volunteers or whatever. We're always – there's always going to be a gap here, gap there. Um, but where we're looking to bring in new people, um, there's always opportunities for people to get involved and give us a hand. Yeah, so we might just table that because I was going to bring that up at the end because I saw the sign on the door. I just wanted to talk to you about, just from the local musician's point of view, I played in bands. I haven't done so for about six years, but from when I was 15 to when I was 30. And, yeah, or maybe 31, so about 15 years, and I was mostly based around Albury-Wodonga, and we played through the Indigo Shire at different times and also to Mount Beauty several times and even maybe more so towards Wagga and Griffith in those places. With a local original act, how would they go about engaging you guys to see if there's a chance to, well, obviously every musician would love to be played on the radio 
and the more niche the format these days, the better. Because you're generally dealing with a host that actually understands the genre that you're in and the other bands that you may or may not sound like, etc. And is that is there somewhere on the web that people can actually see all the shows that are currently happening? Yeah. yeah and yeah. also, I guess, how do you encourage artists to reach out to presenters? Is that on a case-by-case basis? Should they just listen to the show and get a feel for them or is there a generic way that if I'm in band XYZ, I can reach out to you guys and get a yeah, get some kind of conversation happening. Sure. Well, I guess we uh, we have a website, and we, every week we get uh, people approaching us, and it's not just companies in Asia trying to offer a search engine optimization well, or something. <laughs> we all get them. Yeah, but I but we get uh, <laughs> we get bands often contact us through that, who and these artists who we've never heard of before who want to. Uh, send send in their music and we will play it. Um, we have a playlist that we put together every six months which has uh, 600 songs, 450 of them will be new. So we have to chase a lot of new music every six months and we will always play whatever people uh, want to send us. But we have, our, we have a couple of conditions. One is that make it easy on us. We want it in MP3 or MP4 format or WAV format. And then we get... Uh, we want uh, – there's no more than two songs per artist. So out of 600 um, songs, that means a minimum of 300 different artists are on that playlist. And we'd like to have – the Australian content we go for is around minimum 50%. I think the current playlist got 60%. And, uh, and it's not just people who were popular 20 or 30 years ago. This is current music, original music. So, we yeah, currently we've had a number of artists reach out to us through that uh, mechanism. We also have others who know us. One of them just reached out to me a couple of days ago. Said, "Hey Scott, I've got a new EP coming out in uh, March. I'd like to a couple of weeks prior to that do a bit of a uh, before I launch it to a few radio spots. Is that possible?" So, and absolutely, like that's where we can look at different shows where that person could go on uh, a show appropriate to their style of music and be interviewed and um, and then we, if we want, we can record that, podcast it, that kind of thing. And I'm assuming given the, the size of the studio that we're in at the moment mm. that just eyeballing it now just around the corner, I could see it probably be big enough to have maybe one to two people in there if they are going to have an in-studio. Yeah. yeah, we've gone, uh, we've actually... Do you have a site where like just say a broken down acoustic version of a full band Mm. would turn up too is there anywhere that that's happening at the moment before we moved to this site in beechworth we've had four or five artists in in the studio there was a slightly bigger just room just tell them to leave the bass player at home <laughs> <laughs> uh, <it's laughs> can't fit those acoustic basses <laughs> well it's amazing what how many musicians can fit into tight spaces you just look at some of the pubs even around here and like you know some of them just play in a corner of the front bar like and they'll put five or six people in there you think and some of them are disappearing down towards the toilets yeah, I think. i've played many gigs like that <laughs> but uh there was but one in one sorry to cut you <laughs> just for a tangent there was one in narandra and i literally felt like that i was sitting on the windowsill okay because i had to kind of lean my arm half out the window to be able to fit next to our single without hitting him with the headstock on my guitar every two seconds okay yeah, yeah, yeah. it was i think it was the middle of july it was cold. Okay. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I couldn't play to start with because I was so cold. <laughs> yeah, but that's probably happening everywhere around here. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I guess again, it's about looking at the you know, it's it's intimate, 
And yeah, we, we do. Uh, Yakin and the Folk Festival is probably a good example where we would record a number of interviews in the studio up there. And so it's a small studio. It's smaller than the Beachwood Studio by probably oh, it's about eighty percent of that size. And we can often get a three-piece band in there. We just have to move it, maybe a couple of chairs out into the hallway or something, and they'll just be standing. We've had like an a double bass player as well as a guitarist and someone else on harmonies or something in there. And so over the course of that Yak and Folk Festival, we might record uh, a dozen interviews and live to air. You know, each interview will be 15, 20 minutes. I'll do a couple of songs live to air, that kind of thing. And, and we, and yeah, that's just another way, I guess, we connect with artists and we like to record those and add them onto our playlist when we're putting them together. So the Indigo Film playlists are pretty unique. And they do have a lot of local content in lots of different ways. They can be artists who are touring through the area or playing festivals or just playing a few gigs on the weekend or it might be actual artists who live in the towns that are producing local music or not even living in the towns but just living in the general vicinity. Like, uh, as you know, around Indigo Shire, you've got Alpine Shire, you've got uh, Albury, Wodonga, you've got Wangaratta, etc. So, you know, we can connect up with um, artists from around that that uh, perimeter, I guess, of the Shire. Excellent. So, Scott, just before we talk about the recent launch of the of the new site, is there any particular local artists, and I'm asking as much for my own selfishness here because I want some new music to listen to and also there are always potential podcast guests, is there anyone that you're particularly excited about that you've heard that's homegrown around here at the moment? whether they're young, old or otherwise, is there anyone where you, you've heard their music lately and just thought, well, that is good? The artists that uh, probably come to mind and you probably be familiar with them, I think they came out of Albury uh, five or six years ago with the Northern Folk and they're yeah, I have heard of them. Yeah, really popular and doing some great stuff and, and, and great people and they've started running their own music festival up in Albury in uh, late November. They've done two of them now called By the Banks and that's a, a really impressive festival. They promote uh, indie and indie folk artists up there. But uh, it's just a one-day festival but a great little festival. But uh, I suppose uh, I'm interviewing a girl this week and she'll play live on studio in studio up at Yakandanda and she's a 16-year-old who's made her way to the Battle of the Bands final in Melbourne which is down at the Big St Kilda Festival uh, on the 10th of February. Her name's Katie Gaston. Okay, is that a freezer event? Yeah. Is that the Lunar Park final? Yeah, my old band played at that. We made it through to that level. Yeah, and it's pretty – you don't think that Lunar Park carries any gravitas until you're standing on the stage. So I just want to say good luck to her. Yeah. In case I forget because it's, yeah, it's pretty overwhelming when you walk through that big mouth. Mm. You think I'm going to be playing on the stage here in a minute. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And another artist who came through a similar uh, pathway about six years before that is uh, Liv Cartledge. And Liv is, um, I guess she's been about 22 or 20, about 22 now, I think. I remember having her play live in the studio about mm, late 2013, I think, in Beechworth, and just chatting to her back then. And, you know, she's had she's done a lot of great things you know she won the telstra road to discovery which is a big national talent quest in 2014 i think and i think it was 2014 yeah i think and uh you know that's sort of she's been yeah she's and she's an artist for a young artist she does incredibly strong material um yeah quite mature i'll make sure i put those names in the show notes when i listen back to this 
So I did want to finish up talking about volunteers and also I saw the note about actual presenters for the, the station group, for the lack of a better term. So let's talk about the recent launch because I'm sure that it has to be some, I hate to say it, horror stories when it comes <laughs> to turning the stick on for the first time. So yeah, can we just talk about where it is and then maybe talk about the process of getting that up and running? Sure, yeah. Well, um, we've seen a lot of interesting things in the two months that we've been going in Tangambalanga, but basically right now we're actually, unfortunately, we're not on the X. We've had, there's a bit of a technical glitch with, uh, that we're investigating. So our transmitters keep uh, dropping in power after a few days and we're not sure why. So we've got someone looking into that right uh, next you know, few days. But, um, but and that's plagued us really for a lot of the last month. We're not sure really why it is. The first month or so we were fine and then all of a sudden we've had transmitters just struggling um, and dropping, you know, just dropping from a few watts down to zero for reasons that, and they're not necessarily badly damaged, they're easily repairable, but it just keeps happening. So it's uh, that's a, that's something in the technical area that we've just got to work on and get right. But I guess apart from that, it's uh, we've had a hell of a lot of enthusiasm out in Tangambalanga and uh, from uh, some key individuals and also community groups and a lot of generosity from the community in terms of donating a space for or providing space for us to operate from and also donating equipment. And at the moment I think we're training up, uh, we've got about six people that we're training up to become presenters. One's already through. There's about another half dozen that will come through in the next couple of months. So probably by the end of April we should have half a dozen regular programs on air and we just want to steadily build that throughout 2019. I guess then it comes to integrating that site and the same will happen with Chilton, integrating them into Indigo FM's uh, operations generally. So, you know, we have subcommittees that, where people collaborate to work on the programming technical areas, work in the marketing areas. So we want to make sure that we're sharing that load and we're giving people good opportunities to be involved on air but off air as well. And also we have a committee of management. So committee of management needs to be people who are really passionate and keen to do the role but obviously, in an ideal world, we'd love to have a good balance of people from across the different sites on that too. And so by horror story, I wasn't trying to set you up there. No. I, I had no idea about that particular issue. Yeah, no, but so, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah, and, so that's you know, an actual genuine horror story. But, well, 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 one of the great things that has come through that is just people putting their hand up, say, I'll give you a hand. You know, And, and there be people who have got experience in technical areas, people got experience with community radio, who've become aware of some of the challenges we've got and I guess we've been fortunate fortunate to have a few spare transmitters uh not many but you know a few enough to say oh well one's gone down let's get another one out there let's get another one out there but there is a limit eventually we run out of transmitters and we've got to get them repaired and before we can cycle them back through but but obviously when you realize that you know the same problems affecting transmitter after transmitter you realize it's not the transmitters (laughs) it's yeah it's uh so anyway yeah, I guess when it comes to FM, they're kind of a single point of failure, those things, aren't they? Yeah, but but the, the way we look at it, though, look, we're, they're short-term hiccups. I mean, we're, we're in this for the long haul and we know we'll get on top of it because we're persevere. That per, side is quite a, bit, quite a bit newer than the other sites have all been established for several years, haven't they? Yeah, and we've, we've never had anything like this problem at the other sites. But then again, we've got a slightly different aerial out there. 
It could be, yeah, so it could be the antenna. It could be, there could be some unique factors out there that we just need to check through. And like, it's like a lot of troubleshooting. It's about, okay, let's replace this thing with this thing and then see if we've got the same problem. And eventually, hopefully, we isolate where the problem is. So So let's talk about why that particular location was chosen. Okay. So the other sites at the moment tend to be either geographically very standalone like a Chilton that's Mm -hmm. a well-known town and it's almost in an area by itself. Yep. But it's right next to the highway and people go through there on the train, et cetera, so people know about it. And your Beechworth, for example, is one of the more well-known towns of this size in the country. It's Mm -hmm. got a lot of history. I can't say, and this is not to disparage Tangam, the slightest is actually quite awesome. I've been there back when I used to swim and play cricket with school, et cetera, mm. maybe doesn't have the name recognition of, say, Yakandanda or a Beechworth, but it's also, well, it's a really awesome place and it is closer to a major metropolitan centre, for the lack of a better term. Why was that the the location? Part of it is strategic. You know, I guess Indigo FM, we see ourselves uh, covering... Because it co- is an awesome name, Tangam. Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. sounds radio to me. Okay. Coming live to you from Tangam. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> I was just thinking about that on the way up here. That's right. Yeah, sorry, uh, I cut you off. No, that's all right. We've got, I guess we believe a little bit in equity. So we look at um, equity of access, delivery, that kind of thing. So Indigo Shire has a number of towns in them and to run these sort of sites they need to be separated by a little bit of distance, you know, 20Ks or so. So... And we wanted to make sure that people understand that Indigo Shire doesn't stop at Yakandandra, it keeps going east to Tangam and, and that area. So we saw, and there's 700 people that live out there uh, in the Kiwa Tangam areas. That's right now, but there's actually 100 new homes being built out, out there, which will be, um, so the town will double in size probably in the next five to 10 years. So that that was certainly attractive. But I guess it goes back a little bit. I had a conversation with... Um, someone I used to work with who lived out there back in about 2014 when I was uh, just, I've been on the committee for about a year and he approached me and said, he wanted to do a country music show and he said, oh, I said, well, come into Yakandandra and do it on a Sunday or something. He said, well, uh, he said, could we get one of these sites out here? And I said, and at the time I didn't really quite know what the process was, but as I've learned over the years, I was then able to come back to him a couple of years ago and say, look, I found out about the process. Are you still interested? He said, yeah, definitely. I said, okay, this is a process. And I said, look, let's get together and talk. And there was – so I met with a couple of people out there, key community organisers who had uh, – who really wanted to get something like this up and running for their town. And uh, and they've been fantastic so far and tr- trying to support that as best as they possibly can. And I think it goes back – to go back to what I was saying at the start, I think that – Radio and music is a little bit in our blood in regional Australia. It's our connection to the to everything from celebrity to local culture, like runs the full gamut. So it's not surprising mm. that there's people that are coming to you that are excited of different ages and backgrounds and wanting to produce some very niche shows. Yeah. Because it's definitely a melting pot of music taste around the entire region. Yeah. And what people are influenced by, like some people, everyone's had a different experience with radio and I guess the common things we're all excited by the opportunities we see, but we, some people will look at it and say, well, yeah, you know, I, 
they'll be heavily influenced by commercial radio because they've listened to commercial radio and they and they've got ideas from that or people listen to the ABC and they get ideas from that or people listen to Triple J or people listen to community radio in in larger centres and so everyone has probably you know what well, what I find in the different communities there might be more or less exposure to various forms of radio but uh, but I guess the commonalities people get excited about the opportunities they see and and. It is a bit of a journey. As people go along, they'll get exposed to more things. The more they interact with other presenters, they'll hopefully we are relying on presenters creating a bit of mentoring for other presenters and things like that. So, uh, yeah, and we like, I mean, Indigo Film is very, very diverse as far as the playlist that we have is very diverse. But also, once all the shows are up and running, that's very diverse too. The podcasts are very diverse. We sort of because we don't really want to put a stamp on it and say it's this demographic we're going after or this style of music or whatever. It's, it's, we're, we're not really into that because we think like each individual show can map out its own demographic it wants to go for. But we, th- we feel that if the station generally said that, we would be becoming exclusive we, and we want to be inclusive. So we want to be, uh, be open to everything being on there really yeah and, and and have a voice for everyone the community at some point yeah it's funny you bring that up i recall the first show that i ever did on the radio and we were playing pretty much not realizing that there was any rules that we were governed by this is in my hometown of Coryong, and okay. i can't believe that the managers of the station because i think it got broadcast but maybe sent down the line to walwa yep and then broadcast so that's a good community station up there, but they're Upper Murray, I Upper think. Upper Murray, I'm not yeah. sure what it was yep. called at the time, maybe Upper Murray FM, I should have known because it was my job to do most of the back announcing because my friends weren't into that part of it. And we were playing everything from Limp Biscuit to no, the songs without language to uh, Swedish black metal bands mm-hmm. and all this crazy mm-hmm. stuff for two hours. And as long as we spoke about you know, as long as we didn't take the darkness of the music into the talk breaks that we were doing mm-hmm. and talk about the local area in a dark and, you know, mm-hmm. black metal way. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we weren't talking about witch burnings or anything in yep. Coryong at the time. <laughs> yeah, we pretty much got left to our own devices. And we did, I think, had a couple of talk breaks where we might have forgotten that we were live on the air. And we got pulled up on that a few times. So, hey, you can't speak like that. Like 17-year-old boys, they tend yes. to say words you shouldn't say on the radio. That's something, that show, I mean, obviously it had no format whatsoever. It was just three guys that happened to like this obscure music plus some more commercial stuff. But it would have probably found a place nowhere else but a regional community-style station because there wouldn't have been a spot for that on any other station that has a format. Yeah. We would have pretty much been locked out of sharing these obscure bands that we're listening to from Europe. Mm. Yeah, like it just wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Look, I I don't think we've had to ever censor a show or anyone's come to us with anything and said, oh, no, sorry, that's too extreme or whatever we have. But I must be, you know, people push the boundaries occasionally. I mean, we did have, um, but that's okay. I mean, it's sort of, it's, I, I guess whenever something comes up that's a bit contentious, it might be someone in the community saying, hey, this song's on the playlist, not sure whether it's really ideal it doesn't have explicit content but the theme of the song or the subject matter of the song they feel maybe is is in poor taste or something we'd rather just have a discussion about that and just talk about 
talk about, I guess, the relevance of diversity and things like that because, you know, I, I can guarantee you, like, there's plenty of songs on the Indigo Fan playlist that I personally don't like and but I guess I respect the process about how they've come to be on the playlist because I trusted someone maybe a bit like yourself or one of our presenters who have come who have gone to that trouble to put forward some music for the playlist that they think would be good for the playlist and and um and yeah and 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 for every you know, for, for every song they might put forward that I think, oh, yeah, I'm not sure if I really like that. There's probably 10 absolute gems that they've put forward. So you just got to always, you know, understand that no no two people have the same taste in music and, uh, you know, you, you've just got to, yeah, you shouldn't be listening to Indigo FM thinking, expecting to like every song that comes on. Yeah, you've got to be, because it is so diverse, but they're, but yeah, that's, uh, that's how we, I, I guess, we, we, we like to think that, you know, it's um, generally it's it's got some good, we think we've got some pretty good objectives about what we're trying to do. We're really trying to promote independent music and uh, original music and but also throw in some familiar stuff so that we're not to- totally alienating people. For anyone, maybe not so much coming from the music angle, but we did talk about the presenters in training. Are you, as a station group, once again, for lack of a better term, looking for people that are coming with the idea for a fleshed out show with some kind of quote unquote format, or are you looking for people just to learn the stock and trade? And then maybe once you're confident in them being on the air in any capacity, then you would ask them to go and think about, okay, well now you know what you're doing. What do you want to present? I'm assuming you get solicited with people that have show ideas or yeah. So how would someone go about doing that? Probably 80 or 90% of them come at us that way and they approach us through and see a poster around town or or by promoting it through social media or something like that. And most of them we would encourage to have a show idea because that's probably that's probably where their motivation is going to come from. They say, oh, I want to do a show about IT or I want to do a show about cars or about this genre of music or something like that. So that's... Yeah, the, gen- the art of broadcast is going to be a much smaller sliver of people really, isn't it? Just learning the actual... Yeah, process of making a That's show right. is probably not quite as much of no. a passion thing. But occasionally we do come across that, and and we can work either way. But we would then encourage that person to try and uh, come up with a show concept that that that's something they can sustain the interest yeah. in. So just on that, that's really interesting, and we're probably starting to go a little bit longer than I promised Scott we would. So I'll finish up with this. When you hear a show that you can tell someone is very energised by, but is there any way from your perspective, having been doing this for so long, that you can see that that sounds like an idea that could burn somebody out pretty quickly? Like if, for example, they were saying, it's going to be about this obscure genre of music, it's, I'm really into it, and my I'm committed to collecting such and such number of interview pieces with people over the phone every week, recording that, chopping it up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you have a way or a filter of knowing that sounds like you're going to burn out. I, I guess we do, and everyone gets to submit a show, you know, program application form, and we ask them on that whether they want to do their show every week, every two weeks, every four weeks. Now, that's what they might want to do, and invariably 50% of people at least say weekly, and and almost certain for the first three months we put them on fortnightly because we want them to probably make that decision about, yeah. You know, so I guess they're really on a, P plates a little bit for the first three months, 
we figure after three months, I'll probably be in a much better position to work out whether they can sustain their show. Uh, if, if they are adamant they still want to go weekly after those three months, well, then we'll look, we'll look at that. But often people's in energy and enthusiasm when they first get involved uh, means that they probably have a bit of a distorted view of how they are able to sustain their show. As far as the type of show, look, I think... It's about it's about getting the quality and the quantity balanced. I've I've had uh, I guess music shows because there's so much resource out there in music, a little easier to sustain those over time. But about four years ago, we had someone doing a fabulous IT show, you know. But he was uh, he was he sort of did IT in his day job. It was his passion when he was at home. He then started doing a radio show, and the shows were fantastic. But they and no one was doing anything like it. But the fact is. He just got busy in his life, you know, and found that. And when your hobby feels so much like your busy life, yeah, there can be a little bit of spill there. That's right, but it's. But I, I suppose we do praise whatever comes through, and uh, we do have that general mechanism to say, you know, for the first three months, do it fortnightly, and then after that, we can probably either go back a bit, you know, once every four weeks, or do it every week, or just stay it fortnightly. Yeah, you know, we sort of try and work out the uh, regularity there or the frequency of the show. But then we'll, every six months at the moment, we're asking people to submit new program applications so that we can freshen up the schedule a bit and make sure, you know, if someone says, oh, yeah, my show's not working on Wednesday, I might want to do it on a Friday. I've now kept you for about 20 minutes longer than I said I would, Scott. So once again, Scott Landell, the president of Indigo FM. I think from my memory, it's indigofmradio.com. Yeah, it's is the brilliant, website. brilliant. Well done. And I spent a fair Thanks, bit of Josh. time on there today. Thank you very much for joining me. It's been a real pleasure. And when, when we're when I go home, I might send you my show idea that I've had yeah. bubbling around in the back of my head for a while. Sure. Look, and it's fantastic for for me to come on on behalf of Indigo Film and have the opportunity to talk about what we do on your podcast. So I really appreciate you uh, giving us that opportunity, Josh. No worries. Okay, thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.